This is the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Kononoff. So if we didn't realize the importance of investing in technology eight weeks ago, we certainly do now. Technology has surrounded us. Today, more than ever, we rely on it to communicate with friends and family. Our kids are using it to go to school. 100% of my staff are using it to do the same work they used to do in the office from home. We've onboarded new employees using it, and many of the businesses we've had on this show are thriving as a result of the investments they've made into tech. And so it goes without saying that our world would be a very different place if it wasn't for technology. My next guest, Benny Doro, founder and CEO of All Your Foods, is quick to give credit for his success to the technology investments he's made along the way. In fact, despite being in the food services industry, he really sees his business as a technology company. Listen to how Benny, like Damon from Centurion Trucking in episode five of our podcast, asked one key question right out of the gate. Who's going away? Listen to how this positioned Benny to take action towards the opportunities ahead of him without looking back. Also, listen to how Benny, like David from the town of Okotoks in episode seven, is actively using the data his technology provides to make key strategic decisions in near real time about their products, their customers, and their overall business. Benny also plugs a few key concepts for how he's dealing with coronavirus and how you can too. From doing more with less to talking to their customers, and I mean actually talking by picking up the phone, and how the best thing you can be doing right now is to see yourself as a problem solver. Benny, welcome to the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast. Tell us a little bit about all your foods for those that haven't heard of you. What do you do? Who are your typical customers? and where you're based out of, and anything else you'd like to share? Sure. Well, All Your Foods is our umbrella company. It houses several of our brands that we've got. It's based out of Vancouver right now. Uh, one of our uh, main businesses is called All Your Meals. All Your Meals is our healthy meal delivery service. So it's membership-based. You go to allyourmeals.com. You can pick a membership, which entails how many meals you want to receive a week, snacks, you uh, choose your meals every week from a new menu that we put out, and then we make it, ship it, you get it, heat it, and eat it. No assembly required. So everything is fully prepared from scratch. It's healthy. There's no preservatives, no corn syrup, and we're probably shipping out you know, 5,000 plus of those twice a week currently. Wow. We've got our catering division called All Your Catering, keeping with the All Your Theme. We've been servicing the movie industry for quite some time. We only do industrial and commercial catering. We don't do any private parties or anything like that. We're doing a lot of volume. We've been doing movie industry production offices for a time. That's going to be interesting to talk about, too, because that whole model is going to change. If you can imagine, probably the uh, hot and cold bar at Whole Foods is also going to change as well. We've got Eat Real Meals, which is our frozen food division. So it's more standards like mac and cheese, lasagnas, chili, soups, you know, stuff mom would make, made the same way, no preservatives, we make it, we flash freeze it. It's not membership based, but people go on, they choose their uh, items, we deliver that twice a week as well. They're frozen, the containers that they come in can be microwaved or put in the oven, 
And you've got pretty much, you know, home-cooked mom's lasagna anytime that you need it. It's always convenient to keep those in the freezer. And uh, we have, to deliver all of this, our own delivery division called Pacific Cloud Delivery. We have uh, our own fleet of refer vehicles, so they're chilled and frozen vehicles to keep everything cold and frozen as we deliver. We're completely self-contained that way. We use some pretty interesting technology to keep an eye on our deliveries or the uh, temperatures in the vehicles, where we're at, any kind of metrics that we need. So, you know, at the end of the day, even though it's all your food, sounds like a food company, we're really a technology company because technology runs everything that we do. And because we're dealing with a lot of numbers, like, you know, you go to old school uh, diner or Italian restaurant and they pull out the pad and paper, that's okay for, you know, 20 orders, but we're pushing through probably close to 10,000 individual orders a, a week right now. There's no way humanly possible that anybody's going to be able to keep track of that or organize all the different variances to the meals, delivery, uh, modifications, allergies, change of ingredients. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. So our back end, which is proprietary built for us, handles everything that we've got pretty automated right from someone putting an order in for their weekly meals to it sorting out uh, how many of each we need to make, sorting out the kitchen list, the ingredient list that gets sent to the kitchen, to the procurement list of what needs to be ordered to come in. So we pretty much got down to a science now, and that's across the board, right, with all our brands, with Eat Real Meals, all your meals, all your catering, and Roaming Coffee as uh, well. So Roaming Coffee is our coffee division. We have a Learjet of a Ford Transit that are outfitted with top-of-the-line espresso bars in them. They have three-bin sinks, the self-contained generators, uh, water tanks, gray water tanks, filter systems. Basically, you can take one out in the middle of the forest and make coffee for two days straight on a tank of gas. That's mainly for all commercial applications. We do a lot of the refineries around here, a lot of big corporations where they want to treat the staff or they need to provide uh, snacks and coffee for staff. So, uh, again, we can bring a lot of volume with the uh, machines that we've got there, everything from the drip coffee, and, of course, we have our in-house bakeries, so we can bring fresh-baked pastries. And we're doing that at mass volume, too. Some of our things that we do for the coffee we're doing up to 5,000 people at one shot, and they're getting coffee and a pastry within 15 minutes. So we got that figured out. So that's in a nutshell, that's what All Your Foods is doing. Wow, that's remarkable. And all based out of Vancouver? Yeah, all based out of Vancouver right now. Okay. And so you talked a little bit about your revenue models. It sounds like you've got a mix of subscription-based or membership-based. Do you have any products that are sort of priced off the shelf or as is, is that built into any sort of upselling throughout your checkout process or is it all subscription based? Yeah, it's all subscription based. You can add extra meals or add extra snacks to the the subscription based model. Eat Real Meals is not subscription based. So you just, people are buying as they need because frozen food can sit there for a while. Maybe they just want to order it once a month. Maybe they're having uh, people over for a couple weeks and ordering more frequently. So that one we haven't moved to subscription. And everything else is pretty much ordered ahead of time, which is a benefit of the model that we have. Whereas a restaurant, you know, you need to figure out Saturday might be busy. We're going to have to get this many, you know, lobsters in. And maybe it'll sell, maybe it won't. Everything that we do is pre-sold. 
So the memberships are sold you know, a week to two weeks ahead of time. So we already know what we need to buy and make for the members. Same with catering, same with Eat Real Meals. We can keep a nice inventory in the freezers, so that'll get replaced as needed. Uh, that product isn't too hard to make on the fly. And, uh, of course, specific cloud delivery, we have got a number of reefer vehicles in our fleet. So, yeah, pretty much everything is as is. Wow. And how long have you had this technology? How long have you been doing this? Technology's been around uh, off and on for about three and a half years. We've just upgraded it again in the last year or so to sort of bring it to the scalability that we're going to want it to be. It's probably going to go through another change. We're starting to integrate that technology with some of the equipment that's available out there now for food production that actually talks, the equipment actually talks to the uh, order system, so it actually knows how to set itself up and how thickness to cut things and so forth and how much dressing needs to, to come out of the uh, you know, the nozzle. It's really incredible what's taking place out there. Pretty soon it'll just be all robots putting together your stuff. I can see that coming around the corner. <laughs> That's remarkable. And I think I know the answer to this, but what proportion of your business would you say is repeat business? I mean, so much of what you described is recurring, but even when you look at the one-time purchases, to some extent, I'm sure uh, you know, you've got people just coming back once their freezers are empty. Yeah, well, the membership uh, healthy meal delivery service, you know, has a fairly healthy turnover. People are usually around for anywhere from four months to two years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we're getting good turnover there, too. Ten leave, 20 come. Just kind of the life cycle of it. And, you know, we have a marketing team on that. We do a lot of Facebook. We do a lot of social media. It's mostly where everything comes through. Eat Real Meals, it's more of the numbers. You know, we don't even look at the sales of per person, we look at what the numbers are. We know we're making X amount of thousands of something per week. So we know those sales are there. It doesn't really matter who's bought them. And if there was a dip or there's an issue, our metrics tell us why or where it came from, or maybe we changed something on the menu or there was something on the website or a message, we'd know to go back and be able to fix that. But we're, we're pretty clear with our marketing. Well, what you see is you know, what you'll get. And how did you get into this business, Benny? I'm actually a, a investment banker. And uh, a rock and roller by trade, let's say, from my early days. So when I got bored with touring around the world with uh, my rock bands, you know, I was working with band Kiss for a while. I was actually managed by Paul Stanley for many years. I mean, I had a really exciting early part of my life doing that. But at the end of the day, it got boring, you know, playing shows for two hours. What do you do the rest of the time? So I started putting together a company back in the day, and we became a, one of the largest technology companies in the 90s in Canada uh, at one point. And that's kind of where I started all this. So along the path, I started incubating businesses and buying them, etc. And when I saw a trend in the market where things were going to go uh, a few years ago, I thought, this is where things are headed, like drive through windows. I mean, especially spend time in, in America, which I spend most of my time you know, drive-throughs are getting more and more and more. I mean, we don't really see them in Vancouver, but you go Jersey, L.A., Texas, Oklahoma City, everything's a drive-through. Everything, pharmacy, gas station, gas station store you can drive up to. They'll put your Diet Coke and bag of chips in your car for you. You know, I start thinking, hmm, these grab-and-goes are starting to pop up. It's really popular people just to drive, get out of their car, or wait at home and get it. So I thought, you know, let's get on this before it takes off. And, you know, it was the right, right place, the right time. So it was about, uh, about four years ago we started all this. 
And so far, so far we've got it right. I think now with everything that's taking place, we've definitely got it right. Uh, <laughs> and our sales, our sales, and our and the messages that we're getting from our customers and new customers are, are definitely telling us that. This episode is brought to you by ClearBridge. When Veronica and her team at Northwest Tank Lines were forced to retreat from their office due to COVID-19, she had some concerns. The biggest concern was us having to quickly move from the office into our homes remotely and separate from one another. So the communication was the biggest issue and concern for me. Not having that face-to-face contact, being in the same room with one another, and discussing issues. Despite the concerns of moving their offices remote, Veronica was confident that ClearBridge would support her team. We always know that ClearBridge is just a quick call or a video chat away. So I know if I have issues, they are resolved quickly. I rely on their dedicated team. They are always there to help us. If we run into any issues, we work together to resolve them. Within the last year, we worked together to digitally move our AP, our AR, and our payroll systems over, and it was seamless. So that also helped our transition into working from home. But there was still the issue of communication between Veronica and her staff. So ClearBridge introduced CB Meet, a secure video conferencing software to Northwest Tank Lines. So the big thing for me was the ClearBridge Meet platform. So that allowed us to resolve that issue about communication. We use it daily. We have face-to-face contact with our staff so everybody can feel like they're in the same room and we can discuss items regularly. So we communicate frequently that way. It's been great. ClearBridge is helping businesses like Northwest Tank Lines and people like Veronica every day with their business solutions. Find out how ClearBridge can support your team and help you do your best work by checking out lifewithclearbridge.ca. Now back to the show. Let's talk about coronavirus. What were your immediate thoughts when coronavirus and COVID-19 started to hit the news? Um, well, first of all, I thought, who's going to go away? And at first I thought restaurants going to get shut down right away. And if anybody thinks that adding takeout or pickup from these places uh, is going to work in the long term, I said to myself, you know, we're in the right place at the right time. And the reason being is, you know, our price point for our meal delivery service or the frozen food is pretty much if you went to the grocery store and you got all those ingredients and made all those meals, we're offering from butter chicken to uh, Thai prawn salad to our lasagnas to some dill salmon. And we've got a wide variety, all restaurant quality. If you're to pay for that, you're pretty much going to pay for the same. It works out to be anywhere from you know, $9 to $13 a meal. Right, so if you're gonna go to White Spot or some of the places around Vancouver, I mean, I know when I go for two salads and appetizers and two drinks, it's sixty dollars. I'm thinking to myself, it's gonna be a treat at first, but people are sort of looking at their bank accounts, going, "This isn't making any sense. We can't afford to be spending sixty dollars for two people, never mind a family a night." So I'm thinking to myself, if these guys don't change their model soon, they're gonna have an issue with it. So sure enough. Our food that's made for travel, because we're not making things like burgers and fries that are not going to sit well or reheat well, where the other guys are, like the Earls of the world, which did not change their model. I thought, well, let's just keep going where we're going, put the message out that we're addressing the COVID-19 situation, and we made some 
drastic changes in our kitchen as far as staffing, you know, social distancing, testing, temperatures, sanitation went up. Uh, we have an all-new program, and I said, let's let the public know. And you can see that on our website, our COVID-19 message, all the things that we're doing to try and get it right. And so far, there hasn't been an issue. I mean, we check uh, where everybody's been, who's a staff. They let us know. We we pay for Ubers for them to come to work so that they don't have to get on mass transit. And, you know, they signed an agreement saying they'll let us know if they've been anywhere else other than a grocery store than work and home. And, you know, a couple of people have stepped out of that boundaries and they, they have been let go because of that. We just can't take that kind of risk. So I think we did the right things when this took place. And I think we had the right model that would just fit inside the square peg and the square hole already. And so prior to coronavirus, how many staff did you have working for you at that time? And what does that look like today? Well, we got about 30-something in total with all our drivers. It's not much more, less than that. It's probably down about five or six people. We've definitely refined some of the departments to do more with less, which is more important. We wanted to make sure that there was a breathing room in the space that we had and that we'd be able to move shifts around so that people weren't stacked on top of each other and we could really maintain our sanitation logs and really keep an eye on you know, every move that was taking place in that kitchen. Because you got to figure, if all it takes is to get it wrong once, and you got to pay for it for a long time. And we definitely don't want to put anybody in jeopardy, not our customers, not our staff, not the company. So before the crisis hit, what was your biggest challenge as a business at that time? And how has that changed throughout the course of the last uh, six to eight weeks? I think it's pretty much relegated to this town from what I'm, my experience of what I'm hearing was staff. Nobody wanted to work. It was impossible to get people to come wash dishes. I mean, people were coming for interviews and they're like, I want $20 an hour to wash dishes. I'm like, how is this a possibility? How are businesses going to survive with this? <laughs> I mean, so we went through a lot of people. And a lot, sometimes they'd come and go, you know what? The guy across the street's going to pay me $22 to wash dishes. I'm like, how is this happening to us here? Right? These people don't seem like, you know, they're taking the bus to work. So that was a struggle for a long time. Now, we put an ad out. We get stacks of amazing resumes now from a lot of people that unfortunately don't have places to go back to anymore. And uh, we're hoping, you know, give some good people a home that they can come to. And hopefully that's going to come to an end, too, and people be a little bit more enthusiastic about coming and getting jobs like we have to offer. It is definitely night and day. Uh, what's happening here as opposed to some of the other parts of the country and definitely in the United States. Hmm. And so what would you pinpoint as your biggest challenge today that you're facing? Biggest challenge today is staying on top of our sanitation and our, our disinfecting and our uh, log files and our uh, accountability of the food. It's really important that we know who's touched what, who was responsible for that that went into the bag. So if there was an issue, we can trace it right back to wherever it came from. So it slowed things down a little bit, uh, which is okay. It's more important to make sure we really double and triple check it. But as far as anything else goes, staff's been good now. 
delivery is much easier because there's not many, many people on the road, which is was a issue when doing deliveries in downtown Vancouver. We got pretty congested. That's why we use reefer vehicles. We just don't have ice packs and the thermal bags for our deliveries. It's actually sitting inside of a, a reefer that's at 4 Celsius. So it'll keep it fresh for days if, if need be, if we're driving around the block. So now it's much easier now than it was. It's actually not a bad thing. And what's your delivery radius? Are you uh, strictly focused on Vancouver or do you deliver to surrounding cities as well? Yeah, we go uh, everywhere. We go to White Rock. We go to Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Lions Bay, Delta, Tawasin, pretty much just about as far as you can get before Hope. Right on. Okay, so let's talk about revenues. I mean, you're providing an essential service to the communities that you serve. What has that looked like as far as revenues? Have you grown? Have you seen a surge in in demand for your product and your subscription? And how has your technology managed the change over over the last uh, couple of months here? Well, technology always has its hiccups, but it's done its job. Just like our delivery software, we use... uh, uh, semi-proprietary software that allows us to route the vehicles, trace them, keep an eye on the metrics, the kilometers. It even monitors the health of the uh, the vehicle. It'll even tell us when there's an error code that's been thrown, if there's uh, fuels low. So that's been in our favor. That hasn't been a problem. There really hasn't been much uh, as far as super growth, and we really had to put the brakes on that because we – you know, we had an influx of, of business that could have come from a lot of memberships or actually some companies that were really looking to get out of business and, and give us their members. And we thought to ourselves, you know, the last thing we want to do is make a mistake, and we can't afford to do that. So we've kind of kept things where they are for the time being. We're poised for a growth spurt for sure, and we'll be ready for that once things uh loosen up a little bit but for now we're at a nice steady simmer profitable uh, everything's working well for now so we're trying not to rock the boat and just keep with the status quo and if this persists for six months or i mean there, there's talk about a second wave and what that might look like we really don't know what the future looks like but if what we're experiencing today around just social acceptance of you know, going into grocery stores, restrictions within the kitchen and on deliveries. What do you see as your biggest challenge if what we're seeing today continues forward for some time? We've already started to map out what that would look like and what we would do for that. So we've managed to, let's say, convert our current kitchen and our current routines to fit in with social distancing and uh, some of the new cleaning routines that we have. But if we were to, like I say, if we were to scale up the business, which we're, we're waiting to do, we've got a plan B in place, and it's gonna, we'll be expanding to a second kitchen right away to keep that, that distance and also keep the accountability easy to trace. I mean, a lot of kitchens, these production kitchens, have a lot of people in a small place. If some of the, like some of the meatpacking places, there's a couple of companies that I know that we've gotten stuff for them before. I've gone into the room where they're trimming the meat. It's a thousand square foot room with a hundred people in it, side by side, cutting, trimming, packing. Hmm. That's not going to happen anymore, right? So in our kitchen, we used to have a tighter quarters and more people. Now it's less people spread out, and we've slowed things down a little to make sure we had to account for everything that we need to. So we will 
easily double our capacity if it's going to stay like this by uh, firing off our second kitchen, which we we already have acquired. We're just getting ready to ramp up and fire it up. And I, I know through some of the conversations I've had with other business leaders and, and other business owners, they've found that it's been hard to get people to come back to work. Are you finding that just socially people are a little bit more afraid or concerned about coming to work? What does that look like in your business and how have you addressed it? Well, first of all, number one in our conversation with anybody, we first explain what we're doing to run our business in the current situation. So that puts their mind at ease. You know, we, we have a stringent set of questions for them about where they are, where they've been, have they been tested, are they living alone? There's a lot of things that, a lot of factors that come in. We've had people that, hey, I'm a great line cook, uh, I've got four roommates. And we're like, nope, right? You've got, you got basically three other people that are going to put you at risk right now. We need, we need to make sure we've got people that say, listen, I'm, I'm at home, I'm professional, I go from my work to home, and I'm not going anywhere else after that to get food, so... We've been pretty good with that. So what's next for all your meals or all your foods? Where do you see your greatest opportunities in all of this? Well, what has come out of the situation, which a lot of probably the general public doesn't really think about too much because they, they see what's in front of them, which is, you know, my favorite restaurants, maybe not coming back. We've seen some closures of some, you know, our favorite coffee shops. What they don't see is that some of the food production companies and there's, a, there's two different kinds. There's the big guys that do 200,000 sandwiches a day. They get shipped out to gas stations and convenience stores across Canada and America. Then you've got, then you got the small guy who does the artisanal quiches and meat pies and that. And then you've got us. Well, small guy, usually they're tied to a couple restaurants or a couple cafes. When those restaurants shut down, they got shut down too. They had no no place to put their product. There was nobody to buy it from them. Uh, if there was a big chain that really wanted to get a couple thousand units of, again, like a lasagna or a sandwich or a quiche, things that we make in-house in those numbers, they couldn't do it. So there's a lot of them gone out of business. Uh, so firing back up, we've been having a lot of calls from restaurants and cafes and some other food distributors are saying, listen, uh, we used to get like five products from five different purveyors, small guys. We got some butter chicken from these guys, frozen lasagnas from these guys. We got quiches from these, wedge sandwiches here. And one, actually one of the companies, uh, because we have an agreement with them, I can mention them, is, is Spud. Um, those companies aren't around anymore now. They're like, listen, when we run out of inventory, company's not there to send us anymore so we've managed to expand uh into doing white label uh, of our products for some of the bigger food distribution companies that are around vancouver and we're getting more and more of those calls we seem to found a sweet spot with that too so you know we if you came to us tomorrow and said by friday can you get me 2500 lasagnas and a thousand ham and cheese sandwiches and 500 quiches my answer would be yeah we can do that not many people can say that. So we've set ourselves up for that. So it sounds like the message or the opportunity you're seeing is consolidation. Now, in, in your case, you're ready to take that on, but it sounds like that's really what you're seeing in the marketplace as an opportunity for businesses. 
Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. It it, it is sad when we, we have those conversations with there's, – there's other companies, too, have said, listen, we're, we used to get this great product from this company. They're shut down, and they're not going to come back. Can you guys do this for us? And we've made enough of a August mark in our area that we're known for that. We're that middle guy right now, between the guy who can do 500 a day and the guy who can do $500,000 a day, we can do right in the middle. So, yeah, we're, we're starting to fill a void for people that really need it because when these places open up, you know, you want to see your favorite sandwich there. You want to see your ham and cheese croissant, you know, and if it's not there, something's going to be off and the consumer feels it. So it's really important for these bakeries, cafes, uh, you know, to open up with what people really want them. And that's important also for people, right? They want the familiarity. So we're going to try and you know, get as close as we can for them. So Benny, it sounds like you're finding opportunities, you're chasing opportunities. How are you rallying your team around the opportunities that you're finding? Uh, we have pretty close communication with our staff. Uh, we have a number of systems where you push information through. Even when they clock in, if there's important messages, it'll come up and they have to read it before they even clock in. We have uh, weekly production meetings. We have management meetings, administration meetings. We're always keeping the staff in the know. It's really important that they feel what's happening in the company. The worst thing is when you've got a lot of staff sitting around going, I have no idea what's happening here. Does anybody know what's going on here? We make sure that we're talking to them on the floor, we're passing that information out. And, you know, first of all, they still have jobs and they're jobs that they're pretty happy to be at. And some of the new people who are coming are really enthusiastic. There's some people who have been at other restaurants. We have one person that had been in a restaurant for like 14 years. And that restaurant's not around anymore. It's not going to open again. And for them, it was devastating. But they came to us and said, listen, I still need to pay my rent. I love cooking. It's my, it's my career. And, you know, we've given them a new home and they're sort of like refreshed and renewed. And we make sure we keep a good positive workforce taking place. And we're run like uh, a car manufacturer. We don't have a restaurant culture in there. Restaurant culture, I liken to like a top 40 band playing the local bar. It's fun. There's a lot of drama, you know, a lot of uh, you know, proprietary equipment, and I like to play this way, and we like our lights you know, a certain way too. Where you go see a band play the Coliseum in front of 20,000, 30,000 people, you know, that's got nothing to do with what you just saw you know, at the local bar. They've got to get that show right every night. There's a lot of liabilities. They have a big responsibility to the promoter, to the audience, to the reputation. It's no different than us. I mean, a small cafe can blow it one day. Oh, we, you know, we burnt the ham and cheese sandwich. Uh, the coffee machine was on the fritz. You know, people will come back the next day. Send out 1,500 bad lasagnas. You're going to make a mark with that as much as you're going to make a mark with 1,500 good lasagnas. So our food factory, our technology company has run that. When you walk in there, it's very much like a manufacturing facility. It's very strict. It's very military-like in there. And it's really how it has to be run to be doing the volume that we do. There is no margin for error because you can make one bad sandwich at a Subway and someone might get food poisoning. But if you put bad mayonnaise on a thousand sandwiches and you get a thousand people sick and maybe kill somebody, we make sure that that's never going to be the, the case with us. One of the uh, 
common themes that I've seen across all the businesses that I've had the opportunity to interview and to speak with has been this idea right now of feedback and listening to your customers and being innovative and chasing after ways to do just that. What does that look like in your business? I mean, you just mentioned this idea of a bad experience and obviously a bad experience on scale can be have a tremendous negative impact in your business. How are you listening to your customers right now, listening to your staff, getting feedback around, you know, what the delivery process and the reception to that box being dropped off looks like? What feedback mechanisms do you have in place today that maybe you didn't previous? Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, well, the customer's king, no matter who they are. So we have full-time uh, seven-day-a-week customer service, live customer service that anybody can reach via chat, email, or the most important, a phone call. Uh, we also monitor the numbers, so it's not hard for us to figure out. You know, if we put up 10 new dishes for people to order from, and we will know in a couple hours what the popular dish is. Then we'll know after it's been delivered what feedback we get from customer service. And that's brought to the production meetings. It's kind of like baseball. And the way baseball is played now, with all the metrics, how they choose certain pitchers to certain batters, before it used to be sort of gut instinct, right? I think the, that lefty's going to go up against that righty, and we've got a good matchup. Now they're looking at the metrics. Well, how many times this guy struck out here? So we, we use a lot of that to make our choices, but at the same time, you know, we use a little bit of our gut, too. Like, what else is going out there? The numbers say this, but we're starting to see a lot of this type of flavor profile going out there. So it's easy for us to put out a quick survey, or also we do a lot of testing with new products where we'll send them out to 50 or so of our customers and look for some feedback. You guys get some free sandwiches. All we ask in return is that you're going to receive an email. Let us know what you thought. Did you like the bread? Did you like the ratio of the meat towards the cheese or, or the lettuce that was put in there? Helps us understand better, for especially new products. And sometimes you think you got it right, you put it out there and you get a clunker and customer feedback. And believe you me, compliments come a week later, bad news comes within minutes of them getting it. So we'll know pretty quickly. So we have lots of avenues to get feedback and determine you know, where we're gonna go with our products. I love that. I, I love this idea of how data-driven you are. And, and I mean, technology is great, but if you're not feeding the technology with data, then technology has a tremendous opportunity to fall flat on its face. And it sounds like yeah. you're, you're really, you know, you're really digging into all of the different data sources from the vehicles to the different channels of communication you have with your customers right through the organization. So that's really remarkable. So Benny, for those that are listening that maybe they're struggling in their own businesses and they haven't figured out how to pivot right now or how to shift or what kind of innovation they can chase after, what resources or suggestions could you make to them? It's all about solving a problem or solving a need at the time. So I've had friends who are in business. One was a voiceover professional. And when this hit, shut down, right, completely. And it's like, what am I going to do? This is the only thing I know how to do. Well, that's because you say it's the only thing you know how to do. What is online that's available for you? There's a lot of websites that require 
voiceover or some sort of spoken words, or there's answering machine companies that rec- you know want professionally sound voices for their answering machines. I said, you know, you need to go out there and find out what it's attracted to you. You might have to make a change. You know, maybe you're not going to get to do what you really want to do anymore, but you might find there's another path that had something that was going to work out for you and, and make you just as happy. When you're a company, though, for example, I have a charity in the United States called Kids in Seats, and here's a perfect example of it. Uh, we take tickets from the New York Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks, the Nets, the New York Philharmonic, because uh, some of my businesses are based in New York City, and we put over 180,000 kids in these seats who are from inner city kids who don't have a chance, right? That's the business of that 501c3 charity. Well, as soon as this hit, do you think there's a baseball game that's in anybody? Do you think there's a concert that these kids could go to? Not a chance. And we know that coming up ahead is not going to happen for a year. So what are we going to do? Well, the donations stop because there's nothing to donate to, right? What are they supposed to donate to? We have to quickly change our model. And whether it's a charity or a business, there's still businesses, right? We still file tax, you know, maybe we don't pay as much tax because we're nonprofit, but we still file our taxes. We still have to do our paperwork just like any other business. And we're basically out of business. So we had a quick board meeting and said, what can we do? What is the need that's out there right now? Well, these kids are stuck now at the Boys and Girls Club. They're at uh, different agencies that they don't get to get out and look at, watch games anymore. They're not even getting out much. And they have no communication. So now we started a new initiative to get iPads and devices like that into their hands so they can watch some sports, stay in the know, keep that education going, have it as a reward, right? Where They don't get the iPad to have it all the time, but when they basically these kids would get rewarded with tickets for good behavior to a New York Yankees game. And we weren't putting them in the nosebleeds. We're putting them you know, in the legend seats. You know, give them the, the chance of a lifetime, which would inspire them to do something good with their life. Now we're putting something together where they'll get an iPad to watch some, a movie or to watch a sporting event or a special show, which will allow them a little escape uh, from their current situation. So we had to pivot to make it worthwhile, and now we've got you know we got new things happening, new donations coming in for that to keep us going as an ongoing concern. Either that, we'd be shut down. That's great. So the message I'm hearing from you is, is that there's, there's always an opportunity there. You just need to look at it from a different angle and, and ask some great questions. Like what you mentioned, like what can we do? What is the need and how can we fulfill that need? Exactly. So if you're like a small bakery that just sold out of your bakery to the consumers and nobody else, maybe find out who's going to open up and who may, might want to have baked goods delivered for their business, right? Maybe you contact a couple of offices that are going to be having people come back to work and say, listen, we can offer breakfast croissants to you guys every morning. You'll you'll sell more to one office with 100 people in it every morning than you would probably open for the first hour of your business. I mean, you might even find a, a silver lining out of it all. You need to be willing, though, to take that chance. You need to be willing to change. 
Hey, if you don't change, you'll probably die. <laughs> I love that. I've seen a couple of places now, this idea of, of innovate or die, right? It's, it's like right now, that's the most important thing in business. You either need to change and adapt to the world around you, or you won't be around and you won't, certainly won't be relevant tomorrow. True that. Benny, thank you so much for being on the show. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they'd like to connect? Uh, you can head to allyourfoods.com. You can always send me a message through there. Or if you're interested in knowing a little bit more about what I do uh, and other facets of my life, and you can send a message through bennydoro.com. And once you go there, you can pick the business section. You can see the companies that we have, uh, music. You can see some of the music stuff that we do. And there's a whole chef section where I've got probably over a 1,000 how-to-make-meals with videos and photographs up there for anybody who's interested. Love it. Thanks again, Benny, for being on the show. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Kononoff. For complete show notes and additional information, visit clearbridge.ca slash podcast. Ryan is the founder of Clearbridge Business Solutions. To find out how investing in technology can help your business, especially during uncertain economic times, visit lifewithclearbridge.ca. Connect with Ryan on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Ryan Kononoff. That's R-Y-A-N-K-O-N-O. N-O-F-F. Thanks for listening.